Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast with me and my co-host, Chloe Bunter. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices we take for granted are out of date or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room in Pilates, and we're here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a fair few F-bombs thrown in. This show is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher. If you've been enjoying the show and you want to give back, give us a five-star rating and write us a glowing review on Apple Podcast app. That'll help other instructors find the show and let us know we're making a difference. On today's episode, Chloe and I talk with Martin Reed, who's really taken ownership of the hashtag Real Men Do Pilates on Instagram. And it's all about how how do we get more men into Pilates? Why don't men, why don't more men do Pilates? And yeah, what can we do about that? All that coming up. Hey, Chloe. Hey, Martin. Hello. Hi, Raf. Hi, Martin. This is exciting to have you. So excited to be here. Big warm welcome. It's um, it's so nice. You've you've uh, you've had Raf and I have chats with you on your awesome uh, core conversations, and we've been really looking forward to having you over here on Pilates Elephants. Yes, so, welcome. So, Martin, just for for uh, anyone in our listenership who haven't heard of you yet, can you just give us the you know whatever you'd like to say about yourself, who you are, what you do. Sure, thank you. Um, I don't know about YouTube, but I feel like I'm changing this message almost every week as we have different conversations with people around the world. Uh, My name is Martin Reed. I'm a movement specialist, podcast host, studio owner. Uh, I'm sure I could add some other slashes to that. And I just love movement. I've been teaching Pilates and fitness for uh, since 2002 when I started my first business. And I have two COVID babies, so to speak. My studio, which I opened, which is a micro business in the Toronto area. And uh, Core Conversations, which is a podcast where I connect with fitness professionals, Pilates people, and other service-oriented businesses and just talk about their origin stories and and their passions and just amplify voices um, of all shapes, sizes, and colors in that space. So it's been a really fun journey over the last year and a half to you know, connect with people like yourselves and the global community. So that's what I'm yeah. up to. And what you're doing on Core Conversations is fucking awesome. And um, I really want to give a big shout out. If you listen to this podcast and you you like what we do, go check out Martin's podcast. We'll mm. put a link in the show notes. Uh, it's, it's on Instagram lives every week. And also um, I think most or all of the conversations show up in your podcast, which is on all podcast platforms. So it's mm. awesome. Awesome thing, yeah. And and I I just want to um, uh, add on to that. I love mud, and I love the the impromptu lives you do as well, where you're kind of like, hey, I'm you know I'm doing my morning journaling and I'm jumping on live, and if anyone's around and wants to join in and chat, my God, I've learned so much from those chats. I just love listening because you you so Martin gets people from all different businesses as well. So it's not, there's a lot of Pilates, but it's not just Pilates specific. Like, I love that. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Pretty sure he was in marketing. Oh, um, yes. Jumped on with you one morning. Yes. And that just kind of convo as he was just starting his day as well. And just, 
you two riffing off each other. And I was like, oh my God, these are just like gold. And it was quite late here in Australia. And I, I was like, I was, I, needed, I was meant to go to bed or this. And I'm like, I can't hang up on this live. This is like, there's too much gold going on in you two just having this really candid, non-scripted, non, you know, like pre-prepared chat. It was just like... Yeah. Awesome. Like, Chloe, that so was... thank you. My pleasure. That was like at six o'clock in the morning on my Fridays when I spent some time just to journal and plan. And I thought, well, let me just turn on the camera and see who's here. And yeah. like you said, it was just this organic conversation with a marketing specialist who happened to go to the same high school as I did, who, you know what I mean? So it was, that, it was like there was a friendly banter because we were buddies from back in the day, but I really right. have not seen each other, like physically seen each other in over 20 years. But wow. oh, yes, it was rich. That really changed the direction of my business in many ways, that conversation. I, I wow. followed up with him afterwards. We we met. He kind of gave me a consultation on just connecting with LinkedIn, and it changed the entire trajectory of my business from just a complete off the cuff casual conversation. Wow. So, and you witnessed that. I, it was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, I've been really inspired by you, actually, Martin, um, and the way you just naturally do it, and you just because I, I think sometimes. I overthink things, you know. I still get really nervous. So I went on a live yesterday with Adam McAtee and I was all like, I was so nervous beforehand. I'm like, what? I really want to get to a point where it feels natural and I can just get on and hold space and hold space for others. And um, you have been inspiring me a lot in that realm. So um, thank, thank you. you. Big, big props, props to you. To you. Thank you. I almost going to just like reverse that and say, I see how beautifully polished and strong and authentic this is. And I want to do some of that. And I realize that it, if I do that, then there's a vacuum where I was, right? <laughs> so we, yeah, we all no, have our place. I, I love what doing, you're doing. Yeah, you're doing great work. Both of you are doing such amazing work. And I, I, it's been an honor to get to know you and to learn uh, about your heart and your, your passion for what you guys do. So. Martin, this is such a nice start to a podcast episode. Oh my God. Feels like a big hug. I don't know. I felt like I needed that. That really felt like a big hug. Thank you, Martin. Um, so Martin, like one of the, one of the, what I want to talk about today and what Chloe uh, and I discussed talking about with you before is uh, this basically men and, and Pilates or, you know, your, the hashtag that uh, as far as I know came from you, which is hashtag real men do Pilates on, on Instagram. And, uh, and I, I mean, I, I have people sort of ask me about this from time to time, but they're always women who ask me about this. Oh, how can we get more men doing Pilates? You know, how do I get more men interested in Pilates? And I always kind of think, well, I've got, I've got my own thoughts about it, but I actually really want to hear your thoughts because your my sense is you've thought about this a lot more than I have. And it's something that you're particularly passionate about. So firstly, like, tell me, tell us, like, what is this, you know, hashtag Real Men Do Pilates? What is, all, what is that all about? Uh, the Real Men Do Pilates hashtag, uh, I love the fact that you think that it came from me. So that speaks volumes to how much energy I've put into trying to own it. Um, I've, I saw that there's a few women that were using Real Men Do Pilates as they got a couple guys into their studio. And as I dove deeper into the Pilates work and into understanding a little bit of, of its origins with Joseph Pilates and stuff, I, I came to realize like, that this is actually for men. And it became my mission at that moment to to connect men to this work. And obviously women can do it and, and everyone benefits from it. Every human being can benefit from it. 
But men had abandoned it in, in a way where once I understood what it was doing for my body and then having a fitness background as well, recognizing just the mechanics of the exercises, like this is so beneficial for men. And I wanted to just get men to understand, to feel it in their body and to appreciate the fact that this can be a game changer for them. And and whether you're a professional athlete and you wanted that competitive edge or you're an at-home dad and you just wanna be able to keep up with your kids, it will give you some kind of benefit. Um, so I just, I went to social media with that and I, I, I purposed to own that hashtag literally with every picture, with every message, um, to, to position myself as a subject matter expert on men and Pilates. So you would see someone that was, uh, a male, a strong male, a non-dancer male, someone who, uh, is, well, uh, is a different complexion than the other people that are doing Pilates. Like I wanted something to be different and to normalize other people doing Pilates. So that there were so many layers to it with that real men do Pilates that is it's it's for someone who's courageous, someone who wants to explore movement, someone who wants to get a competitive edge, someone who wants to be bold enough to do something different than your bench press and your deadlifts, um, you know, sort of thing. So I wanted to challenge the paradigm on what it means to be a man as well as to challenge a paradigm on what it means to be doing Pilates. Oh my gosh, that's I love that. That's given me so much more context. That's fantastic. Wow. Um, it's interesting to me what you say, what you said there about um, a non-dancer man, um, because that that's something that I that's been part of my experience. I'm I'm not a dancer in any by any definition of the word. <laughs> um, I've seen you dance, Ralph. You can dance. <laughs> oh yeah, I can. I can dance. You know, like um, you know, as as a as a punter, yeah. but, you know, I'm not, I'm not a dancer. Um, and, you know, there are a, a, quite a few, you know, notable men who are just amazing at Pilates who I can think of, you know, like, uh, for example, Jean-Claude Nelson, right, who mm. I know has been on your podcast and I know his mentor, you, Chloe, and, you know, I've got the highest respect for Jean-Claude. I think he's a he's fucking incredible. amazing mover, right, just, just out of this world, amazing. But he's a dancer, you know, and he, <laughs> he moves like a dancer. Correct. And for someone who is not a dancer and is now past the age where they could become a, you know, a, a professional dancer, it's like, I'm never going to move like that, right? And and most and and most men, I think, are never going to move like that who aren't professional dancers. Yeah. And the thing that has really, you know, been a kind of an alienating factor for me in a lot of Pilates is all that dancery sort of stuff, like all the toe pointing and the ballet fingers and the, you know, all that. I can't do that. It doesn't feel good in my body and I suck at it. Right. <laughs> so. It's you know, it's almost like, like we you want to go stereotypes. It's like we're appealing to the jock that needs to do Pilates, right? Because like I, when I started to do Pilates as well, I, I found it in a way because of my back and wanting to do it. And then the class that I took as kind of a special interest first Matt Pilates class, it was taught by a dancer. So it had this da, 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 da. And I was like, I'm not gonna sing and teach a class. So I can't sing and I can't dance. So this is definitely not for me. And then as I got deeper into the work and found more of the classical work and found, you know, some other organizations that were doing it, I found a, a way of teaching that made sense in my body 
for my style of teaching as well and allow me to explore and give it expression as well. So it wasn't just the dancing part, but it's the singing part as well. Like I, I, was, I was lost on every level until I found what worked for me. Well, I, I, um, I really love that insight. I've never thought about it, like the, the singing part. And it's so true uh, when I hear some of the, some of the um, professional dancers who are now teachers and it does become it does become a sing, a sing song. It's, yeah, there you go. Hmm. Which can be really lovely to listen to. Oh, but for I, sure. yeah, I, I definitely, I couldn't replicate it either. Have any visitors of David Henner on that? <laughs> no. It's funny yeah. you say that, because actually I, I, when I teach, I do sing a bit and I, I quite enjoy that. And I, so I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> can you give us an example, Ralph? <laughs> and let's move into footwork and put your foot bar all the way up, whack on three full springs, lie down on your carriage, feed it, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's Love okay. it. Love it. It's almost like a rap. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, when you've got your background soundtrack going, you right. yeah. work it in with that. Yep. Mm. And you can, of course, my, well, not of course, but my preference was always, is always to play music that doesn't have a lot of lyrics, if if, if any, so that there's, there's no, uh, like, that harmonic range where your where my voice is is I'm not competing with somebody on the on the soundtrack. It's just like some you know music in the background. So it's like I'm the singer on the song. You know, it's like karaoke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's interesting though, Raf? Because I think in Australia, and so I'd like to get Martin's opinion just on this. And it's a bit off the side, but we're talking about music, etc. In Australia, it's really, really common to well, it's more common than not, and clients Universal, expect that they. That there are sa- there's um, playlists and there's music pumping whilst they're you know doing their Pilates. Um, it's become a bit different for me now because I teach online, and I realised that I used to try and play my playlist through, and everyone's like, "Oh, Chloe, that's awful. That quality stop." <laughs> so I've you know I'm not teaching to music for the last two years, which is the first time I've ever not taught to music in my ten years near, near on ten years of teaching. But in the States, correct me if I'm wrong, um, it's more common you, you don't often teach to music, is that right? And I know the classical work, there are maybe some kind of like protocols around you don't play music yeah, while you teach. I think there's a combination of, of of some who do and some who don't. Uh, you know, like right. you, there's like club Pilates and there's some organizations where they're trying to make it almost like, and not in a bad way, but like the ornistery of Pilates where you could like turn and burn and have big fast energy classes and stuff. So some people do that. Some teachers like to have their playlist and background music and curate it like it's a group fitness class. I, coming from the personal training world, like I, I wanted people, I want people to, to work and listen to their body and I'll have you know, at best, instrumental music just as background noise. Right, yeah. um, You know, if I'm being mean, I'll put on terrible music so they have to ignore it to stay in their body sort of thing. But um, <laughs> but other than that, I just, I, I don't depend on the music for, like, for, any, not that that's depending on the music or there's anything wrong with it, but that's yeah. not my style. It's just background noise for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been really interesting because my, I think my teaching is somewhat, like, my it, it, it's been really fascinating for me two years now of no music whilst teaching. So hmm. anyway, it's maybe a conversation for another day. Martin, why, why, I mean, you, why do you prefer, I mean, I'm assuming that you're preferring, you prefer to work with men. I don't know if that's correct, but you know, wh- why are you drawn to work with men particularly? Um, I think, you know, what's funny of all the questions people ask me, no one's actually asked me that question. And um, I'm, reflecting on it now because I have a background in social work 
And uh, so I've always been passionate about working with with men's issues and relationship issues from a male lens. Uh, so it's it's challenging the mindset. It's more than just the movement. It's getting into the head of of that guy and saying, okay, um, look at things differently. Challenge your body in a different way. I can sympathize or empathize with your injuries, with your goals with your objectives in a different way. So I think I have a different level of empathy and understanding of the body and the mindset when it comes to working with guys. Um, so that being said, I was just saying before we came on recording, uh, I did a group class yesterday online for a special group that had deals with chronic illness. And one of the gentlemen reached out to me right after class and said, you know, I live about 40 minutes away, but I have an appointment two minutes away from your studio on Tuesday. So if possible, can I come in tomorrow? So he shows up and this gentleman is 349 pounds coming down from 500 pounds. Wow. Uh, he, so that's like 160 kilos. That's, that's like three people. Yes, uh, and <laughs> jovial guy, strong guy, but had you know had knee injuries, had you know uh, a, a bunch of different injuries. So that's why he's in this group for support for his chronic pain. And one conversation took him to three exercises. He's like, "I need this in my life." And I I meet people. I've had new clients, men, women, stuff like that. But I really feel even with him coming in today, like my world stops for guys who want to be better and I just get it. So just understanding what he needed, even though I've never experienced chronic pain, man to man, I could connect with him and what he needed and where he wants to be. And I feel like that I could train people like that for free all day. And that on my podcast, that's the question I ask, you know, that's how you figure out who your target market is. Like who would you train for $0 for the rest of your life if you had a trillion dollars in the bank and it didn't matter, right? Like, and it would be him. So that's why I say like Roman do Pilates. Huh. Um, I never thought of this before, but just as you as you were talking, it you know you kind of created the, or sparked this thought that I I I live with two women, my wife, and my daughter. I've got a female dog as well. I work in a company where eighty five percent of the staff and ninety five percent of the customers are women. Um. I basically hang out with women, females, you know, all, all my, my daughter brings home friends. They're all girls just about, you know, like every, just about everyone I spend time with on a regular <laughs> basis is female. <laughs> um, and and it, you just made me think about when I actually go to the barber to get my hair cut and it's just men and it's like no one talks to anyone, you know, there's no real, you know, but it's just like men sitting there being men. Right. You know? But it's a lovely silence in a way, is it not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of my, that's the one of the highlights of my, you know, of my fortnight. No offence, <laughs> Chloe. <laughs> I'd be there, I'd be there striking up a conversation with the person to this side and this side and the person. Why aren't you talking to me? Oh, get me out here. <laughs> 100%. I went to the to the doctors the other day and I made great friends with the person sat next to me in the waiting room. In fact, we'd made friends before we walked through the door. So. 
<laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, right. So you get you you find enjoyment in the the silence. I find uh, enjoyment in the. <laughs> it's not the silence per se, although that's right? part of it. Yeah. Like, um, it's just kind of like it. Um, you know, it's just kind of it's like a quite a masculine environment. It's it's not like overtly so. It's not like there's you know car magazines <laughs> strewn or anything. It's just. <laughs> It's just like it's just there's only men in the room, yeah. you know, and and the only thing we all have in common is we're all men and we all want to get our hair cut. Get your hair cut, yeah. But, you know, so there's all, all ages, all colours, all, you know, sexual orientations, all whatever, but it's just like, yeah, we're all men. And that's, and to me, there's something about that that I really enjoy. Um, and I, as you were talking, Martin, I, just, I, I realised, I think, oh, that's probably just because that's the only time in my whole week that I ever basically am just with men, you know. <laughs> Martin, what do you think about it when we're – so you're doing some, you're doing incredible work um, working with, with men and a lot of sort of one-on-one work, et cetera, it, it, I think I'm, is that right? You do sort of more one-on-one work. What do you think about in large group settings? Because I often hear this, and I mean, I've heard this from men in my life and potential clients and et cetera, et cetera, for, for many years where I've been teaching in large group settings where the intimidation factor for men then seems to be, you know, you're coming into what is predominantly a or, or almost everyone else in your class is probably going to be female, you know, in their in their Lululemons and perceived to be more flexible, potentially more coordinated, all of these things, right? And it seems a really big step for a man to get come into that that setting, and that seems to be a blocker. What do you think about some ways of? Are there some ways where we can make that? setting more um, welcoming to men? And also, do you see there to be benefit in, I know some studios are running kind of like blokes only classes. It's like, this is the men's Pilates class. And is that, you know, and then I loop back to thinking about Raf in his barbershop. And Raf might like the blokes only class because again, you know, you're getting to hang out with a whole room full of men. So I'd love to sort of hear some sides, like what you think about those things. That's that's such a great question. And understanding group dynamics, like if you've had a group fitness class um, and, you know, someone new comes in and then all of a sudden there's a turf war, right? Because that's where I put my step and all these different things. Like as an instructor. That's my reformer. That's my reformer. (laughs) That's all these different things. So whether it's uh, men or women, I think the common denominator is the new person. So what am I doing to make it welcoming for the new person? How am I cultivating an environment where people always feel welcome? As an instructor, can I have a new person come into a class of people who are on their 18th session cycle of classes and they've been together for four years? Is Is the new kid on the block welcome or not? And what am I doing in my conversation class by class to ensure that people always feel like new people are welcome, like don't fall in love with that spot because there can be a new person next week. There's certain things that you do from a group dynamics perspective that ensures that the new person will always feel welcome. And I think that that's more important than accommodating a man is just accommodating the new person. I had I was on a podcast and a gentleman was saying that he went to a uh, to a Pilates class and 
being a guy, he was like sweating all over the equipment. It's his first time, and he's like drip sweating everywhere, and everyone's giving him this this cut eye because <laughs> the space is just nasty now because he's sweat all over everything. That's gonna happen, right? So like yeah. you, you get people wrap their <laughs> what did heads. What you call around, that? Cut cut eye. Cut eye. Cut Sorry, eye? it's just like a West Indian term where you just kind of look at them like cut. Like, cut eye. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that. I'm just giving you some cut eye. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so did he? So he didn't feel good about that. No, obviously. he didn't. Feel, he didn't feel good about that. So. Yeah. Um, and that sort of thing is going to happen. So I feel like we just need to be proactive in navigating the spaces and ensuring that, from a group dynamics perspective, that anyone, any new person, feels like they're welcome. So. Um, that's, I mean, that's the side of it in terms of the welcome space thing is just create that. And then for guys only classes or blokes only classes, like I like that. I, it's so funny. I, other than the one time I had my father, one of his buddies and another gentleman around the same age who was also from the West Indies. Um, that's the only group class I've had that's been all guys. And that was entertaining because all they do is just trash talk each other for an hour. And you feel like you're just on the outside of, of some guys <laughs> drinking beers and, 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 you know, having fun. Right. So, um, and then you're just directing traffic for an hour. So I feel like it's, it, it, a class is a class. And as long as you can have group dynamics where people feel welcome, that's great. Um, and my experience with men's only classes, I've tried it in the past and then they, you know, they're hit or miss. I just, just welcome everybody in and, and just go from there. I love that. Mm. What great advice. I, I, I mean, my, this is just a personal perspective. I've never run men's only classes and I don't really have a view on that. But I know that as a participant, if I walk into a session and I look, you know, as, as a new participant, if I walk in and I look around and it's full of Chloe, right, you know, uh, sort of athletic women, I like. There's nothing aspirational for me there. I don't want to look like Chloe. If I if this if I do this regularly and I end up looking like Chloe, you know, <laughs> that's not what I want. But and and by the same token, if it's full of Jean Claude Nelson or lots of other, like I follow a lot of male Pilates practitioners on Instagram, and and I love watching people move who move beautifully, you know, male or female. Um, but a lot of these men are, you know, former dancers and they have the body shape of dancers. Like, you know, they're tall and slender with long legs and slender shoulders and slender arms. It's like, I'm never fucking going to look like that. You know, like (laughs) (laughs) that's not what I build. I'm I'm from Polish peasant stock. I've got this stocky muscular body that's designed for digging potatoes (laughs) out of the frozen tundra of Poland and conserving heat. but, But if I walk into a class, Martin, and I see you there as a participant, right, I can identify because you're like, oh, yeah, you know, you're about my age and you're kind of athletic but you don't look like you could roll yourself up like a pretzel or anything. You know, you look like a, a, a fit, strong, healthy version of a regular guy, you know. And and I think, huh, well, if I stick with it for a while, I might end up looking like Martin, right, and that makes me feel, oh, yeah, this this I'm in the right place here. Right. So, Yeah. What do you think about that? Yes, no, that's, I think that's, that's the presence I try and command for a class so that it's, you know, you're, you're going to look at the people on the, on the floor beside you, on the reformers next to you, and that's fine, but I'm going to help you get to your full potential. So get your gaze off of the person next to you and look at me. Right, but, but 
isn't, don't you think it's natural to like walk into like I don't know. It, it don't you think it's natural as a as a client mm-hmm. to you know when you're seeking out a teacher uh, that you know you look at their other students and you think okay, well if if these are a bunch of people who've been with this person for a while, you know you know if I stay with this person for a while, I might end up like these people, you know, in some respects. Or, and look at the teacher themselves and go, okay, if do I aspire to be more like this person, you know, in, in whatever, in, in respect of whatever they're teaching you, you know? Yeah, you know, I, I hear you on that. I think that that's, that's why I, I come at it for that because I think that people naturally think about that, think that way. Social media is the exact same way, right? Like you look at all these, these other examples and you say, I want to be like that or I don't want to be like that. And then, you know, it's a, it's a bigger conversation about your own personal messaging as well, right? Like, I mean, like, what do you do? How do you wade through all that stuff to find where you need to be? And then can you be where you need to be in spite of what's in front of you or not? So uh-huh. uh, those sort of things, those are the messages. Maybe that circles back to the real man do Pilates. Like, I, I, I want to just appeal to the man who wants to be the best version of themselves for, for them, for the family that they're around, for their workplace, you know, all those different things. So I think uh-huh. that just commanding that message and just challenging their internal message when they walk in the door is just as important as anything else. Because, yeah, you're right. Like, you can't control what people are thinking when they walk in the door. So someone's going to walk in and see this, you know, Barbie teaching in a class and think, okay, well, this is not going to be for me. But she may be a fantastic teacher who works with people in the NFL and this is just her Monday morning mm-hmm. class with the Yummy Mummies. Mm-hmm. And you don't know that until you actually command the room right as the instructor mm. and you actually have the conversation and and do all the different things so yeah it's it, that's I, you, great point and yeah people are going to walk in with their preconceived ideas and their own mm. internal messaging and and we just have to navigate that and make it a welcome space for them internally and externally mm. but do you, do you think that by you know and there's a flip side of this which is that make making the space safe and welcoming for women and people of you know non-binary gender and, and whatnot. So it's it's not all about how can we make it more friendly to, to men. It's like how can we make it accessible for everyone? Yes. But, but, you know, do you think that we have created, you know, this problem ourselves in large part because in branding Pilates the way that it is, mostly it's like, okay, it's beautiful spaces, you know, as in like Vogue living style, you know, spaces. With, and like... When I go to my barber shop, it's metal and angle grinders, and you know, like it, it, it's a different sort of a space. Yes, right? it yes. doesn't look like the average Pilates studio. <laughs> um, and, and then it's you know, and you know, I get most of my perceptions from Instagram, which I think a lot of people do, <laughs> um, about what Pilates is. And what I see is like lots of you know, skinny women in immaculate two-piece active wear, you know, in and I think, you know, like that to me, that branding it in a way that's that, that, that makes it attractive to certain people but very, you know, feels very intimidating to me. Like if I walked into somewhere and I'm wearing my daggy exercise shorts and my oversized sweatshirt and whatever and everybody else is in like, you know, immaculate active wear straight away I feel kind of out of place yeah exactly that's not your that's not your place then 
Um, <laughs> you know, like, I, I, and I think that that's fine too. Like the conversation I'm having with uh, my my business partner who owns the studio is he was like, I'm not sure if I'm really down with this whole like real men do Pilates thing. Like I have another lady who does like um, girls who lift and that's her brand and all these different things. And he, so he was saying to me, why don't you just, you know, just do Pilates for everybody? Like, why aren't you just welcoming everyone to the space? I'm like, I do welcome everyone into the space, but unless I say that I want men in the space, then men that don't feel sense. like they're welcome in the space. So I everyone, like, everyone's yeah. going to come in, but I have to, I, I'm choosing to chase after yeah. these people. And I think that, you know, my message globally is like, who, who is, who are your people and chase after your people. And if everyone is chasing yeah. after their people, then everyone is doing their part. Like every part of the body has a different function, right? So for the person who loves larger bodies and people with chronic illness or people who have scoliosis, go after that. Like I'm not going after that. When they walk in, I'm making sure that I'm armed with the knowledge to take care of them. But like I said earlier, like the guy that I trained for free is the dude who played hockey and is thinking about getting back into exercise because he's 47 and his parents died at 49 and his doctor said, you need to start moving. So I think that's really, I think that's really powerful that um, I've just been sitting here going, oh, wow. Mind blowing. So I think that I think that that's so powerful um, in regards to you know go after your people, and I think that that loops back to a simplistic thing I often say, which is you're not going to be everyone's instructor. Like you can't, you know. And and when we start, I, I have this conversation many many times because I've been training so many wonderful um, new instructors uh, with breathe education, and um, it's like. You know, they're so worried about pleasing everyone and how will I ensure that, you know, I I please every single demographic and everyone's going to love me and everyone's going to want to come for my, to my class and in that class I have to, you know, and it's like, well, no, stop that. <laughs> You're not ever going to be everyone's instructor. So don't bust yourself trying to be that. Find your voice, find what drives you, find who your people are and then market to your people and your people will come to you. Um, so I, I really appreciate how articulately you have put that, Martin, and you've really got me thinking uh, around that a lot again. And um, I, just before we, we take a little break, I just want to just still on that, just a, a thought I had around um, how your um, perceptions of marketing, Raf, with the Pilates stratosphere, and I, and I totally agree. I think there's a subset that's starting to market it different, but it is still a sub set and that the general is still the image that you um, talked about. And I was like, when did this image first start to come? Well, it didn't just start with Instagram. I, you know, I'm thinking back to, here's my shout out to Cage Lion. And I'm thinking back, just so you know, Martin, when I say Cage Lion, all our listeners have to do a push-up. Oh, yeah. Maybe we should all do a push-up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we should. Are you going to? Get it. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm all attached here. You lot don't have things attached to your head. Well done, lads. Um, but when I think about that and we think about the images that um, John Steele created around Joe's gym and how it was like, it was dark and it was smelly and it was called a gym and you got in there. Like and it was my barbershop. 
It was freaking sweaty. Like there was sweat everywhere. Hell, after John's first session with Joe, he went into the showers and threw up. Like it was sweaty. You had to have a shower before you left the place, right? And when we saw the the rebranding happening was post Joe's death, when it was like, holy shit, this is potentially not a profitable business, whether it was due to how it was run or how it was marketed or all of the above. Um, and you see it segue then into the Ron Fletcher and Ron Fletcher studio where it was quite, you know, started to become quite sexy and we're talking, you know, all the, the fabulous, you know, women coming in sort of, you know, 70s with all the amazing outfits and it became quite a fashionable thing. You'd look to the right and there's maybe Raquel Welsh, you know, doing, you know, big side splits on the reformer in a leotard and it was all... I think that that's when it started to change and with the the change when they moved from Joe's gym to the new space and Romana um, took the reins there too. And so I think the marketing really, from what I can tell, substantially segued then. And I wonder why it kind of went away from, you know, John's recount, it would be like there seemed to be a lot of men that went and trained with Joe and Clara and et cetera. So I think that's yeah. interesting. It's like, was yeah. it more marketable Always. to females? Always. Even men's supplements are marketed to the female who's going to buy it for them because the guys don't take care of themselves. Right. That's so interesting. And it's funny because it was... Um, John recounts it was his mum who was like, you've got to get in and do this. You know, John was complaining about a persistent sore back, etc. And she's like, you've got to get in. Come on, you've got to get in to see this person. Yeah, well, there you go. That's, that's a very interesting, Chloe, and there's something I'd like to add to that after we come back from the break. So before the break, Chloe, you were just saying, you said um, that Joe's original Pilates gym was, you know, dark and dingy and sweaty and... Smelly was, and all the things. Yeah. It was a very masculine sort of a space and that after Joe's death, uh, because Pilates or Contrology as it was at the time actually wasn't a profitable, the gym wasn't profitable, um, either because of bad marketing or bad business design or combination, it was basically rebranded when Romana set up the studio. It was That was when it became called Pilates Studio and it was all beautiful and chic designer, you know, interior mm. and all of the, all there's, the rest of There's it. an incredible photo actually in um, Cage Lion. <laughs> That's another push-up, by the way. Go, Martin, go. <laughs> that is brilliant. <laughs> um, but there's another fantastic photo in there of, I feel like this is a game now and I just want to keep dropping. I'm not going to do it. I really want to do it. Each line, one more push up each. Come on, this is good for you all and for our listeners. Oh my gosh, the, this is fun. This is so fun. Um, there's a beautiful photo in there of John and the others that kind of help form the committee yeah. that ultimately helped save Pilates in the new studio. And it was yeah, light. They were, they're in the reception desk and it's yeah. all beautiful and clean and bright and... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fashionable. Yeah. Well, what, when when you said that, um, it made me think about uh, when I used to run a martial arts school. Um, this was like 20 years ago. Um, before I taught Pilates, I taught Kung Fu. And uh, in a martial arts school, is probably an excessively grandiose 
title for what it was. It was just like literally a room on the top floor of the Newtown Gym in King Street, Newtown, Sydney. Oh my God, amazing. Which, was at the t- which is an inner Grungy scene. as Grungy, at the time. You know, yeah. It, this was like 2000, uh, very early 2000s. Um, so it was like total inner city, grunge, rock, concrete. You know. But super cool, Martin. Like it sounds cool. Yeah, like, like cool, you know. Just all the music on the there. floor and cinder yeah, block yeah. walls, and that's basically it. Yeah, um, and and you know, of course, the the at the at that time anyway. I don't know now, but I imagine it's the same. The the main demographic of people who do martial arts were eighteen to twenty four year old males. You know, that's that's who went to martial arts at that time. And uh, I realised pretty quickly that th- that wasn't a good market because they basically didn't have any money and were totally flaky and, you know, they just, it just wasn't, wasn't a good, I wasn't going to make a living <laughs> working with those people. Um, and so, we, you know, we, we did a lot of work to, to try and attract more women to the, to the – because my wife and I were both running the, the school. And so we did a lot of work to attract more women, you know, we – I can't remember all the things we did and it doesn't really matter what we did, but eventually we actually succeeded and we ended up having like 60% females in the in the classes. And I, I, when you said, you know, when you said that about Joe's gym and, and, and changing to the studio and being more kind of marketed more towards females after Joe's death, possibly because of bad marketing, I thought, yeah, maybe like, maybe it's like even though Pilates was created kind of by a man for men, maybe it's like, it's just not a good plan to market at men en masse because maybe they just don't look after themselves as much or whatever. I don't know what the, why, but, yeah, what do, you, what do you guys think about that? That's really interesting. What do you recommend? It's, yeah, I, I, just, I just know from, you know, working in different fields, like seeing how they everything is targeted to the, the, the woman to buy it for the loved one who is a man in their life. Like nothing is marketed to the man to buy of his own volition. So that totally makes sense. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I mean, like I've, and it's, uh, yeah, I've, when I was in social work, I would work with all these young moms and then we thought, okay, well, all these dads also are there in their kids' lives. So let's have a, a guy's night. So these guys who come out and spend time with their kids, they could come and they could play pool and we'd have free pizza and stuff like that. No guy showed up. So whether it's social work or like a Pilates class, unless there's like some woman who's telling you, you need to go, like there's a good chance that the guy's going to find something better to do until there's a sense of urgency within their body. <gasps> it's, to oh do it. my gosh. Nail, and, nail and on the head. So, I mean, sorry guys. I mean, prove me wrong, but that's, that's been my experience. Like I either get athletes who are trying to get the next, trying to get to the next level or guys who have some kind of, you know, sense of urgency due to some illness or warning or pending illness or diabetes or something. You know what I mean? But like for the average guy who is fit enough, they're not coming in. My experience is is exactly the same as Martin's actually. I've just been, whilst we've been talking, I've been doing a little reflect on all the males that I have taught over the years and how did they ultimately end up in that class. It was either my wife told me to do it, my girlfriend's been coming, or they've got a really sore back and they've tried 
everything else and someone, a loved one or a doctor or a physio has basically said, oh, Pilates will be good for your back, go to Pilates. Um, But not one of them that I can think of. And again, please, if there's a listener and you you did of your natural fruition, just walk on in, um, let us know. But it was, I'm pretty sure whenever I've asked any dude in my class, yay, what brought you here? It was, it was that. I actually, yeah, yep. Yeah, and I think a driver has has more often than not been a sore back. I did have a um, a group of awesome guys who are all, all friends to um, of all when I was down the south coast, and that whole room I basically ran a couple of classes for you know if you've got you know persisting pain, you've had a sore back, these classes for you, and the entire class was full of men. That entire class is well, I just want to take this yeah. moment as an opportunity to shout out to Jill Hayden et al. for their 2021 research paper called Some Types of Exercise Are More Effective Than Others in People with Chronic Low Back Pain, a Network Meta-Analysis, which found that guess what form of exercise was the uh, most effective consistently for low back pain across, like, 80 studies or something like that, Pilates. And also massive shout out, Jill Hayden. I absolutely love her. What an amazing woman and researcher. Um, wow, there you go. But are we mm. going to delve mm. into that? Do you, do you have to take, you, you kind of can't, I don't know if you can just drop that, Raph, without a little more. Well, actually, no, that's, can that's I just, established fact now. We don't okay. need to discuss that anymore. Right, yeah, that's fact. Actually, I just wanted to jump in there. Also, <laughs> Raph. Shout out to all the Americans. Well, Raph, like, when we talk about the marketing side of things too, until we talk about back pain, all the sense of urgency type things, that's when guys roll in. But... One of the things, Raphael, when you talked at um, you talked at Brink and before, and then our conversation afterwards, you just brought light to the fact that as we change our messaging, we connect with more guys before they get to that point of urgency, because because they finally see themselves in social media, they finally see themselves in the studio, they see themselves in whatever it is. So then, if we do a better job with that then they don't have to wait till they they are in this place of urgency to roll in because it's not just for it's not just for women for blonde women who look like you know like this a supermodel for yummy mommies in the middle of the day it's for guys too because i saw a guy talking about how it's for their their it helps them with their back pain, but it helps them with their sport too. It helps them with their everyday life, right? So Return of Life, the book talks about that. It's for ease of life. Like we don't do Pilates to be better at Pilates. We do Pilates to be better at whatever we want to do in our life, everyday life. Shout out to Anula Myberg for that uh, concept as well. She's, yeah, a lot of respect for the, the work that she does around that. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so, all right, so... How do we, I mean, well, firstly, you know, do we want to get more men doing Pilates? And if so, like, how do we get more men doing Pilates? Well, actually, you know, I'm going to answer that, but I forgot that we wanted to say something earlier to Chloe's talking about the process of understanding who your people are and chasing after your person. So (laughs) men for Pilates is like, that's who I'm chasing after. Um, when I was in personal training, I used to be a, like an education specialist for a big box gym and did all the training and onboarding for the trainers. Um, and that was one of the things I recommend that they do is just train everybody, take 
anyone who comes your way when you're starting out because that's how you learn who your people are, right? So I strongly recommend going to a big box gym and training everybody under the sun. Go into a studio, whatever it is, that has a cross-section of everybody and then you'll learn who your people is. And once you establish who your people is, for this context, we're talking men, um, then that's when you shift all your messaging towards that, all of your posts towards that, all of your conversations towards that, all of your referral recommendations towards that. Um, And I did a post one time, a long time ago, where I asked people, um, you know, if you're a parent, like, who's your favorite child? And it's like, well, you can't really answer who your favorite child is, right? It's tough. But then that's how it is for us as fitness professionals. My favorite child is helping people with weight loss. And my favorite child is helping um, helping people get ready for competition. My favorite child is, is helping people learn how to do Olympic lifts. Or my favorite child is teaching them TRX. Or my favorite child is, is functional movement strength and all those different things. So we make all of these our children. And then we don't want to let one of them go, we have to find out which one is our favorite child and nurture that one so it can grow. And it's a tough Brutal. concept, but I think that's how hard it feels for us as trainers because yeah. we feel like we love everyone the same and we want to make sure everyone's okay. Mm. Are you going to grow your yeah. business? Are you really going to get to your place of passion? I think put, put uh, I've, I've just reframing that what exactly what you said from a different angle, your current marketing is perfectly designed to attract your current customers. Like, so if your classes yep. are full of women and you're thinking, why don't I have more men? It's like, well, because you've designed your marketing to, to create a room full of women there. That's a quite a convicting <laughs> Consciously statement. or unconsciously, right? <laughs> Intentionally or unintentionally. Like, whatever marketing you're doing has attracted whatever customers you have. Mm. So, you know, if you, want, if you want different customers, you're going to have to change your, your marketing somehow. Right. So, so how do we get more men in, in Pilates? Well, I'm assuming that, that we agree that that would be a good thing. I think it would be a good thing. <laughs> um, they have to feel it. You know, I, I really feel like that is it. So lean into, you know, women bringing their boyfriends in. And once they come in, let them feel it. And... You don't have to crush them. You don't have to make it the hardest workout on the planet to prove that Pilates is just as tough as X, Y, and Z. Make them feel good. Let them touch your toes for the first time in, in six years. Like Let them feel articulation in their spine, all those different things. When you finally get them in, we'll talk about how do we get them in the building. When we finally get them in, let them feel good walking out. Let them realize that this can make them feel good. And then you can explore the challenging parts. And then you can you know, throw in a couple of exercises that are real, quote unquote, strongman exercises so that they can feel competent. But, you know, let them give them some successes along the way instead of over cueing them and doing all those things that we're you know, notoriously you know, guilty of doing. Um, let them feel good in the workout and let them realize how this can be value for them moving forward. Mm. Um, yeah. And then the marketing side, then just ask Graf. He knows how to get people. Martin really actually makes me think like, Oh, I've been guilty of the opposite of that. Like I, I used to, when, when I was teaching a lot of group reformer, when a man would come in, you know, on the rare occasions when a man would show up in class for one reason or another, 
I'd feel like oh, I need to show him that this is you know, like tough and manly. And so we would, I would smash that guy. That poor We've all buddy, done that. Yeah. That poor guy, right? Yeah. And whereas like what you say just makes so much sense. Like, yeah, people don't want to be smashed on day one. Of course they don't. You know, no one wants to be smashed on day It's like, you know, like especially if a guy who came in like kind of looked fit and strong. Yeah. I think like, oh, this guy's going to feel like this is just a lame workout if yes. I don't you know, make his quads shake. You right, know? yeah, yeah. So, but, but, like, just doing an unaccustomed workout, even if you are very strong, just doing something you're not used to doing. Right. It is very challenging. It's right? very challenging. Do, if you, have you, I don't know about you, but have you gone bowling lately and feel how sore your lats are after bowling one time? Like, we can squat, bench, we can do like, Raph, you're a strong guy, but if you were bowling today, you'd be sore the next day because it's a different movement pattern. Yeah. You're yeah. no less an athlete, it's just a different movement pattern. So going back to making people feel welcome, if I had a guy, a strong guy come in and I have a bunch of you know bendy women in my class who like the class, I might make the class boring for them because we're doing all the exercises that they're good at, but it's going to make this guy feel good. So the girls are looking for their new challenge and a flashy new exercise, but we're gonna do stuff that opens up his hips. We're gonna do stuff that opens up his low back. We may spend more time doing elephant or something that, or knee stretches or something like, so I, I'm now catering the class so that he can feel freedom in his body at the expense of the experience of the people who are already in the class. So they know that I'm here for this new person. Right. That's the welcome piece. And that's the feel-good piece for the guy at the expense of those in the room. Because if I've already done this enough times, they recognize that I'm trying to make a welcome space for the new person. So you could chill on your workout agenda for today so we can help this person to feel like this can be good for them in the same way that it's good for you. I'm going to challenge what you said there because sure. I don't I don't necessarily think that doing simple, stretchy things with some knee stretches and some elephant is going to be a bad class for a lot of bendy women i think a lot of you can make that a fantastic class for anyone sure absolutely yeah that's fair yeah that's yeah i'll give you that <laughs> I, I totally i totally hear what martin's saying though and it's interesting and it's something i will take away and reflect on too in how i welcome in new people and um there is that challenge too when you are teaching a, an open level class and you've got clients in there that, you know, have been coming to you literally for years. Um, I mean, I'm in that at that point at the moment where I've, I've got clients who've been coming for the last two years into my online studio and now I've opened up those classes so that new people can also come in and so they're joining in with people who have practised some of these exercises literally two years weekly. Yes. Um, and it's how do you, how do you... I, how do you accommodate the new person? Yeah, so that's it's really interesting. That's I'm I'm really enjoying thinking mm. about that. Is and isn't it fun too, Raph? Like when you have to unpack an, a familiar exercise in a new way for a mm. new person, right? Then that's your opportunity to change your language. That's your opportunity to change your cadence with it. So yeah, I agree with you. We can make that an intriguing exercise or interesting or engaging workout with mm. familiar exercises by presenting it in a different way. Right, so that's new for everybody at the same time. So, mm. love that, love it. Um, Nathan Ross Rees just put up a brilliant uh, little monograph on 
Instagram a couple of days ago about how he teaches a group class and uses layers. Um, and he basic, his basic formula is uh, you, you only need seven or eight exercises, he says, for a 50-minute or, or one-hour class because if you do kind of the left side then the right side of lunges or whatever it might be, uh, and you do a few layers for each exercise, bam, there's your, there's your hour gone by. And so his way of layering things is you start with something that's, that you're sure that everyone in the room can do for 90 seconds, you know. So it might be like knee stretches, knees down, one spring, you know, just like <laughs> people, you just, unless somebody's had a knee replacement in the last six weeks, they're going to be fine you know, doing that for a couple of minutes, and then and you and you and the and you give really simple instructions. You let people kind of feel that and get into the rhythm of it, and then you just you know take it up one notch, and you say, okay, so the next layer might be just add a half spring, or the next layer might be take a half spring off, or the next layer might be go deeper, you know, into the movement, or you know whatever it might be, and then you just keep adding a layer every thirty seconds, every thirty seconds, but you give people the opportunity to just stick with whatever layer is there present capacity, right? And so you say, okay, if if you're feeling A, B and C, stick with this layer, okay? And if you're feeling X, Y and Z, let's move to the next layer. Or if, you, or if you're feeling like this is enough for you right now, stick with this one mm. if you want the next layer, you know. And then, and and so that gives people the, you know, everybody gets the simple version that they can do for 90 seconds to begin with to get the feel for it and start to feel that they can actually do the movement competently. And, and then they also get the experience of challenge that's at their own, you know, whatever their own present level is for today. That's I, that's a next level of teaching. I love that that intentionality to your teaching because you're right. I can do 49 exercises in an hour, or I can have people unpacking seven exercises and actually understand what's happening in their body at the same time. We're educating them on their body at the same time we're giving them exercises, right? So that's great. All credit to Nathan Ross Reese for that one, not not mine. Yeah. Well, and, and see, Raph, that reminds me too, uh, Chloe too. Like when I was a personal trainer and working in this gym, there was some trainers there who are so good at teaching in that way that I would see them with a client, and for the hour they've done one exercise, right? And then another trainer would have a list of twelve exercises that they have to get through in supersets and intervals and blocks and stuff like that. You know how good you have to be to consume an hour with one exercise and keep them engaged and sweating profusely because of the neuromuscular fatigue because they're doing all these different things. So when he said that, I thought about that. Like, okay, that always challenged me to level up my teaching so people can get that full understanding of the layers and the nuances of every exercise. Like, uh, Chloe, I don't know if it was you I was talking with when someone said like that quote of um, Pilates is easy until you understand what you're doing. <laughs> I don't think it was me, but yeah, I would I would agree with that. I remember I often um, talk about how I don't think I ever really experienced elephant until Leslie Logan taught it to me, and I was like, ah. Oh. Ah, oh, I thought elephant was like, you know, that that exercise you give your clients for a little break in between, you know, it was like that. I'm just going to have a little rest in elephant now. And then um, LL taught it to me and I was like, oh, bloody hell, I haven't shaken this much in so long. And 
um, yeah, just getting that new understanding of the exercise. And that's what I love too about some of the, the simple exercises, which seem really simple on the, <laughs> when we look in, you know, on the outside and then we can work them, you know, to be such a great challenge. As, as Raf said, that class can, can challenge an experienced client and, and a newbie. But um, I'm totally on board with uh, Nathan's um, layering and, and this is what we, we teach as well in, um, at, at Breathe is in layering up, starting small, building bigger. And we also talk about, you know, challenging that to that next level as well, that you don't just need to stop with your layers at whatever the full interpretation of that exercise might be. Well, where else could you go? Could it end up in a headstand? Could it end up, and if you're in one of Heath's classes, Heath Lander, it will end up in a headstand. (laughs) So it's kind of like... Footwork uh, and becomes headstand. Footwork and somehow <laughs> footwork was always intended to be headstand. Um, sorry, Heath, you don't talk like that, but I could imagine you turning footwork into headstand. But I, I like, Raf, the languaging I use around that um, is, and, and this is, I love that a lot of our students have taken this on, I give um, spice it up or cool it down layers as well and options so that clients have always got that that option, depend, whether they're in an advanced class, an open level or a beginner's, if they would like to start to spice it or cool it down as, a plo- as opposed to progression, regression, which I just think is more, more affirming yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Hmm. That's my two cents. Yeah. But yeah. It's circling back That's, to the real men do plies for a second. I think the, yeah. uh, the Instagram page too is, is one of those things where um, – just simply having the handle real men do Pilates and just saying like, hi, I'm a guy and I do Pilates just for a simple visual on someone other than the stereotypical Pilates character. Right. I think is, is something that challenges people with it. Cause I like, I'm always asking that question, Raph. Like, I mean, how do we, like, how do we get men into Pilates? So, um, I just got some positive feedback from, from women who are trying to get like female teachers who want to get men just saying like, you know, look at this guy's page. Uh, great idea. You know what I mean? Because it's not a dancer and it's not going to be a perfect split and it's not going to be a toe point and it's not going to be, you know, yeah. all that stuff. I'll try. That's awesome. it's not going <laughs> to. Yeah. Great, great, great convo, guys. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That was, there was so much food for thought in that, Martin. We really appreciate you taking your time and, and coming and sharing that with us. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, and we'll link to your Instagram page uh, and podcast in the in the show notes if people want to find out more about you, which they should. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks, team. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So 
rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.